Chiefs Kingdom. Welcome back into the AP Draft Room podcast, giving you a breakdown of the Chiefs 2024 offseason, getting ready for a three-peat next season, and we got to find a way for them to build that, right? And that's what we're doing every week here on the show. I am the lead analyst, Ron Kopp Jr. at the site. With me, as usual, every week going forward, Caleb James at CJ Scoobs on Twitter. We got the entire gang together, fellas. Uh, we got we got Nate Christensen with us tonight as well at NateCH32. For those of us who are who fancy the AP YouTube page, you know it says the AP Film Room team, so it's, it's, it's just a podcast form. So, boys, we're here. Caleb, how you feeling tonight? Uh, getting Nate in here, ready to talk some prospects because we got combine this week. So it's 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 time to talk specifically about this draft class. Oh yeah, man, we're uh, deep into the heart of the off season, or at least we're getting into it. There's a lot of a lot of Chiefs news today. We're recording this on the uh, yes Wednesday, so don't hold yes. it against us if something crazy happens in the next 24 to 48 hours. Sorry, this is just what we got to do. It. No, that's a good point. I'm glad you mentioned that uh, because we are we are uh, recording this. You guys will already have seen the combine by the time uh, the first day of uh, combine workouts. Uh, DL and linebackers will have worked out Thursday afternoon um, by the time everyone's listening to this. So, you know, forgive us if anything crazy goes down between now and then. Nate, how are you feeling tonight? Uh, is, do you think anything's crazy going to happen? Going to happen? Uh, you know, between uh, now and, and Friday, are we are, are we pretty safe? Um, I think by Friday, yeah, I don't think anything crazy will happen. I mean, uh, okay. typically like big things don't happen. Famous at last the combine. Yeah, true. Things don't happen at the combine. It's usually like right after the combine. It feels like like the big things happen after like everyone gets to talk. So, look, I, I hope I'm wrong because I I don't really know if I'm prepared for big news by Friday. But um, <laughs> I I doubt anything massive will happen in the next two days. But famous last words, that's for sure. Yeah, no, we're, we won't worry about that, you know, because the people they'll have, you know, if it's something crazy, they'll have an emergency breakdown podcast in their uh, in their feeds. We're just here to talk prospects today. But I will say off the top, fellas, there is big news. You know, we did have the fact that Legereus Sneed, you know, was franchise tag. We had multiple reports kind of confirming that that the Chiefs, uh, you know, let him know that they will apply it to him. But that's not it. They also kind of mentioned in these reports that they're allowing uh, Snead to maybe, you know, seek a trade, you know, possibly um, kind of depending on what goes down. This is kind of crazy. I don't know. It's kind of a wrench in, in the whole, you know, I think we all kind of maybe saw this as a possibility um, at, at some point, but it is kind of just crazy to see it, you know, this early in the combine, seeing the report come down, because it does seem like when do these reports ever happen and, and it kind of end in, in the Chiefs, you know, come into a long-term agreement, right? You know, this is kind of one of those things. So, I guess off the top, fellas, we're kind of looking at, you know, how the Legereus need Chris Jones situation can roll off, uh, you know, at this combine. Um, Caleb, let's start with you. We talked about it last week, right? Like, you know, obviously, you know, it'd be great if them, if they keep both. But we've kind of talked about how they, you know, how they could kind of maneuver one or the other. But I don't know. We're kind of down to it. How would you feel like one way or the other? Like which way is better for the Chiefs to three peat in, in 2024? Like what's kind of the better avenue for them to be the better team? Is it to get the Jones deal done and trade Snead away on the tag? Or is it to, you know, get a deal done with Snead and maybe kind of move forward without Jones and kind of, you know, work, uh, work on that. What do you think? It's a really dynamic scenario. I don't think anyone really thought they would ever tag Chris Jones this year. That number would have been astronomical right. from the start. What tagging Snead does now though, it extends their window to 
allow them to negotiate with him in some regards. Now they're going to have a long time and they did allegedly grant him the right to seek out a trade with another team. That doesn't mean they would have to agree to it because, you know, they would try to get what they could, you know, they're going to want to get the best value back out of him. He'd have to agree to probably a new deal with a new team or whatever. But what I kind of think it does is it's buying them time to figure out what they want to do with Chris Jones while keeping Snead kind of locked into the team I, I'm kind of getting to the point, you know, I know we talked about we want them both back. I'm getting to the point where I think they're going to choose one or another. Um, you know, one side of the token, Brett Veach is very good at evaluating defensive backs, but Legereus Sneed is probably, up until they drafted McDuffie, he's probably the best secondary player Veach has had in Kansas City. And on the opposite side, yeah, Chris Jones is the most rare defensive tackle talent in football, but he's also getting ready to be in his 30s and – you know, if he's going to keep producing at the level he is, that's fine. But sometimes at that position, you can see guys really fall off after a certain age. So there's kind of a lot to maneuver there. I, I would be more inclined to think they're going to, you know, probably play hardball with Jones a little bit and see what happens. But I kind of think they're going to end up letting him walk in the end, just based on how I think the negotiations are going to go based on last time. I do think Sneed will probably end up being the guy they give the extension to. Yeah, I think I think there's definitely a path there, right? I, I I think it's 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 kind of the logic we've all had for a lot of the season, you know, for a long time, is that it just makes sense to to lock up Snead and and just let Jones outprice himself. But I don't know, you know, one kind of wrench in this here is that Dave Merritt, you know, the defensive backs coach, interviewing for the defensive coordinator job with the 49ers. If he happens to get that job, is it even more important to keep Snead, or you know, if if he does retain here? Does it give you a little more comfortability, uh, you know, moving on from Snead? I don't know, Nate, how do you kind of, you know, think about this, this situation and, and what, is there a chance they can keep both, but uh, you know, what path would you rather go if they could kind of have to go one or the other? So I actually think they are going to keep Jones. Um, I don't know. Right. I, I don't know if the chiefs will break the bank for Jones. Like, I don't know if they'll pay him at the top. I just, I, I have a feeling they're going to meet in the middle a little bit um, somehow, some way. I just, I don't know. I, for what let's just be clear before like two weeks ago after that before the super bowl i did not think jones was coming back at any point during the yeah, season right. i did not think jones was coming back if this is really a new thing for me thinking you might come back my read on the scene thing is if like I, if you guys are nba fans or anyone listening there's a thing called restricted free agency in the nba where like a team gets a chance to like offer a, a sheet like an offer sheet and then you have the right to match that's essentially what the chiefs are doing with Legarius sneed in my opinion, where I think they're saying is like, all right, man, you go get an offer. We'll see if we can match it. I think the Chiefs probably have a lower price point than most teams do. So, and if that's the case where Sneed gets an offer, which I would be shocked if Sneed doesn't get tremendous offers in free agency, uh, the player of his caliber, the versatility he has, I I don't think he's going to have an issue getting any one offer. And just to be candid with the listeners, the compensation is not going to be much. I my guess yeah. is that the Chiefs are getting a third round pick back for Snead. I think what they're doing with this is that they're looking to move the uh, compensatory pick one year forward, basically. And on top of that, if the Chiefs want to be aggressive in free agency, they can cancel out Snead's uh, pick when he leaves. Now they basically guarantee a pick instead of having a chance of having to deal with like the formula or anything like that. I think that's what they're doing. And if Snead surprisingly doesn't get the offer he's looking for, and it's around where the Chiefs are going back, I think they'll go back to the negotiating table. And see if they get something done. But I think the Chiefs have basically told uh, Legarius, here is our maximum price point. 
if you find a deal that goes over that, we'll negotiate a deal and get back just something for you. If not, we can go back or you can play on the tag. That's my read on this situation. If this was my decision, I would just want Legereus on the tag. I don't think that getting a third round pick back or even a second round pick back for one year is enough to justify um, a chance at another Super Bowl. And unless they nail the pick out of the park, I think it's going to be like, I think it's going to be hard to replace the Jerry Sneed because he's one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. And I don't think it's impossible. The chiefs have done this for a while, replacing secondary players. Um, I can understand not wanting to pay Legereus long-term and picking Jones. I think pass rushers age better than corners. The chiefs probably, maybe they have some information on Legereus's like medicals that I just don't have. Yeah. But frankly, I just would just play him on the tag. I, I just don't like, I don't think that's, I don't think those are two things that are like, well, you either have to pay him or let him go. Like, I think you could just play him on the tag and just let him go next year. And I think that's a fine decision too. That's what, that's what I would do. But, it's but clearly the Chiefs but keep, just don't really prioritize that. But keeping Jones with Snead would probably mean signing Snead, right? Like long-term, like they couldn't franchise tag. Cause that's just, uh, you know, probably, I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not, you know, from their end, probably. Yes. Probably question, yeah. Right. Yeah. But, so, so I mean, it does give him that, you know, that flexibility to see, okay, do we get Jones signed or not? Then we can maybe get the extension done um, with Snead um, once we know that we got Jones signed. You know, um, if not, you know, if we don't get Jones, that's the thing is you kind of almost want to have the extension done with Snead if you don't have Jones just because you need some sort of security. So they can always restructure Mahomes. That's like always kind of the thing. So, like, if they need cap space to have Snead on the tag, that's not going to be a problem. They, they can do both. It's just the question of how willing are they to, frankly, how willing are they to spend cash? That's really the question with this. There's no salary cap issue with this, in, in my perspective. Yeah, well, that's the thing, is is that if they have both back, you know, you don't need much draft capital, right? You, you exactly. kind of, you know, you really, and they've hit on so much drafts the past, uh, past few years, um, you know, they kind of need to be careful not having too many, too, re- relying on too much draft capital anyway, um, cause you're bound for a bad class or you're just, you know, you, you've already stocked the roster so hard, but I don't know if it, when it comes down to it, Caleb, um, you know, is, 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 I guess what, I guess let's put it this way. Like if just per, purely on the field from an on-field perspective, you know, winning a Super Bowl next year, is the team better if G- Snead is on the field and no Jones or if Jones is on the field and no Snead, I'm put I'm, I'm putting you, you got to uh, take it one way or the other. I mean, ideally, we'd like to say both, but I kind of don't think it's going to happen. I mean, what I think is going to happen versus what I want to happen are two different things. I still think even in the current state of things, if you get Chris Jones, you draft another defensive tackle and George Karloftis continues to develop like you want him to, then, yeah, that's an excellent defensive line that's going to cause problems. You know, the next man up in the secondary, the next guy can Veach can come in. It'll stink not having Snead around. I just, I still keep going back to early in the season, though, with Chris Jones and his agents and that whole mess. And I'm just wondering how much that's going to loom and how many games. Because last season we forgot, like Chris Jones, I mean, for a little bit, he did kind of hold up some of what the Chiefs were able to do with the extent, you know, with his, you know, ongoing negotiation with the team into the season. I'm just, Curious if the Chiefs will have as much patience this offseason to deal with that or if, you know, they know what they have and, you know, or if they're just going to be willing to move on quickly so that they don't get caught up in trying to, you know, get into that same battle again. Nate, I want to ask you the same question, just Mm. 
on field going for the three-peat if they have to have one or the other just which way which which one makes the team better and have a better chance to to win a super bowl next year just purely for next year it's got to be chris because chris is just such a amazing pass rusher he's so good in the fourth quarter of the games and another thing is just like scarcity of position the chiefs have one defensive tackle under contract right now and this is neil farrell like they yeah. don't have other options yeah. in this room like this is, you know, just to compare it like the Tyree Kill thing. Like the, when the Chiefs carried Tyree Kill, they had a lot of offensive infrastructure. They don't have defensive line infrastructure without Chris Jones. Charles Amenhu next year, we don't know when Charles Amenhu is going to come back and play. Mike Dana is a free agent. Like they have a lot of issues on the defensive line going into the offseason, um, which we'll talk about some today. But like they, they are very unsettled there compared to corner. It, they could definitely replace. This is a very strong corner class. I, I haven't watched it all. I just I know this just kind of anecdotally. Uh, they have Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson. They obviously have Trent McDuffie, um, Spags, and you know we we'll talk about Dave Merritt maybe a little bit. But they're very good at coaching secondary. I think they'd be able to figure it out without Legarius. If they lose Jones, I don't know, man. I think it's going to be really hard to replicate anything close to the defensive line they had this year. Um, even if they are able to replace them in free agency and draft, I, I just think it, they're going to be, they will be worse than the defensive line next year, regardless if Jones is gone. I don't think they can get anywhere close. Yeah, no, I I'm, I'm with, I'm with y'all. I think this team is better in 2024. If it's Jones or, you know, over Snead, if they have to choose between the two, you know, Hey, it's not my money. So we'll see if they can get it done. Uh, you know, I think, you know, uh, Clark Hunt should be pretty motivated to show that he's willing to, you know, go for the three peat and try to get them both here and just get it done. But you did mention it. You kind of teased it. We are going to be talking about some of the potential, you know, Hey, let's say it does turn, you know, flip and, and Chris Jones is, is, is out and they really do need to attack interior defensive line in the draft class. We'll be talking like two top picks, you know, we're talking probably two in, on, in the first couple of days, you know, if that were the case, you know, and, and obviously they would be attacking free agency too, but that is what we're doing today. We are going to be talking about our thoughts our initial thoughts on the wide receiver and interior defensive line classes pretty much at the top, but we got some sleeper categories too um, to talk about maybe some guys that, that aren't talked about as much, but you know, all three of us have done some, some in-depth research on these positions, you know, and, and it is good to kind of go, you know, to not, to not attack too many positions at one point. Cause we do want to give you guys, you know, thorough analysis, you know, honest analysis. We don't want to be, you know, skimming through guys just to, you know, talk about them on a podcast. So, I think it's nice that we're talking we're talking about the positions that really are going to be like the the most important for the Chiefs. And so, Caleb, let's just start at the top in terms of how how do you feel about these classes, both at the receiver position, the interior defensive line position? You kind of talked about how you really like how the defensive line was shaken out. You've had since a chance to maybe look at the receivers, too. But is this kind of a good spot for the Chiefs to be in in terms of? Um, you know, needing both of these needs and, and, and kind of uh, being in this class, or, or how do you look at it? I think with the way the Chiefs have had to draft a little bit, they've gotten lucky the last few years with some of the talent they've been able to find, but it's also more indicative of the talent pool in that year's draft class. And this year, I think they're getting extremely lucky because this is a very deep wide receiver class. I know we're going to say that every year from here till the end of draft evaluations. Yeah, right. This one is especially like strong though. Mm -hmm. You talk about like some six foot four, you know, Adonises who can catch contested balls at the high point. They can, you know, turn on the gas when they need to. This is that kind of class for sure. And then back to the defensive tackle class, you know, We've seen it kind of continue to get better and better as, you know, as Chris Jones, Chris Jones and Aaron Donald have 
like left their imprint on the game. But now you've got a class this year, and there's some freaky dudes in this class on the defensive line room. You've got some guys that really make an impact in both the pass rush department and the run game. And there's like a pretty decent sized handful of guys who are probably going to play multiple contracts in the NFL in both positions. Yeah. And, and so it kind of makes you almost think like, could they, you know, maybe not attack free agency too hard, you know, in terms of a, you know, an, an actual, you know, investment and maybe just kind of save their big swings for some of these guys towards the top, you know, in the top 50, top 60, um, especially if they do get any compensation for Sneed back, you know, they'll have a few picks uh, in, in on day two to choose from. Nate, kind of what were your initial impressions of those positions? And, uh, you know, kind of what are your thoughts on maybe relying on the draft uh, at the top a little bit? Again, and, and I preface this by saying what I'm talking about is even trading up multiple times using all the capital you got and only coming away with only maybe three, four picks because of what kind of we talked about earlier, having uh, the stocked roster from the past few draft classes. Yeah. I really like both these classes as well. Um, the one thing I really like about this wide receiver class is there are so many different options of like body types and player types. There are slot wide receiver types. There are big, like contested catch and winner types. There are vertical types, like whatever type of wide receiver you want, there are multiple options in this class, which is not typical. Usually there's some level of sameness in this class. But as I look over my list, it's like, okay, like if the Chiefs are looking for like a, a possession slot receiver, they have like five or different five or six different guys, not all in the first round, but in the you know top 100. Um, and, you know, if they want just a vertical burner, plenty of options. That Actually, those are where my favorite ones are in this class. And defensive tackle, I watched a bunch more last night after watching the top guys. I think this is a really strong defensive tackle class. I've watched like eight or nine guys so far, and I came away positive on all of them. I really like this class, top uh, top middle rounds. I think that there's both these classes are actually very strong. Uh, considering I haven't heard much hype about the interior defensive line class besides like the two guys at the top, I came away really impressed with all of them. I think all of them could come in and be instant contributors, and I think some of them have pretty decent upside. I am totally with y'all, um, especially the defensive line class. You know, I kept finding guys that, you know, I, I, I like stuff. You know, and 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 that's the thing is is we got these categories coming up. You know, we have one category that's kind of maybe a negative one, and and I did have to you know maybe stretch a little bit to to for the guy that I put in there just to just because you know all the guys I you know I, I reviewed there was there was something to like um, and something to kind of to choose from. So let's get into it. Let's talk ball. Let's talk some guys that we watched. We spent some time looking at their game film, and that's the thing. We are going to do it uh, by category. We're going to start with the wide receivers, um, but we are going to do it by category. And we have four of them. We're going to go star, which I'm going to categorize as just like a, a, a can't miss prospect that you would say is worth a day one pick, even if it, it means moving up for them. They are worth going up and getting, being aggressive, attacking for. Solid, I would say, just means, you know, a prospect that you're confident in drafting doesn't mean it has to be high, uh, low, just wherever they are going, wherever you want to pick them, they are, they're going to be a confident pick in, for you. Sleeper, underrated prospect, kind of speaks for itself. And then a slacker, uh, just kind of wanted to get the alliteration all the way to, uh, to the fourth one at, with the S's. Um, and it's just kind of an overrated prospect, maybe, that, that gave us a bad first impression. Because, you know, hey, we could say bust category, right? But, you know, let's, uh, let, let's be a little careful, you know, this early in the process. We'll try to be, we'll try to be careful with our, uh, with our words. Let the combine, you know, at least, let, at least happen before um, we, we talk about anybody as a bust, I guess. You know, we'll... we'll uh, We'll, 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 that's how we'll, we'll cover ourselves, right? That's how we'll cover ourselves on, on these takes. So, all right, but let, let me start it off with the star category and the, and the wide receivers. Cause 
you know, I, I'll try not to do this because this was the guy we talked about to end our show last week. The only prospect I've even talked about on our podcast so far, but I just think he, he fits this category well. And he's the guy I want them to, to potentially trade up for because he has to be traded up for. And that's Brian Thomas Jr., the LSU wide receiver. You're talking about a guy that has size in terms of, uh, you know, build, right? He's 6'4", uh, and it just has some some length to him. But then just the speed downfield, man, that's really what stands out first. That's what he did. He's, he's that, that true X receiver, you know, that vertical X receiver. It's going to win off the line of scrimmage. That's going to push safeties deep. That's going to win down the field. He had 15 touchdowns last year at LSU. Um, just a guy that just uh, w- was was winning constantly on post, constantly on on verticals, um, and and really wasn't asked to do much more than that. And I think there is a lot more to him that 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 could be uh, that could be unlocked with the Chiefs, and and just something that I think the Chiefs could take a swing on, especially because he is a young prospect. You know, he's a true junior coming out. This is only his third year, and he was new to football um, in high school. That's always kind of a sign to me that if someone's showing this kind of uh, a play and they're still kind of new to it, still kind of learning, he feels like a, a, a player they could mold and, and become much more than what he is. And so I, I get the hype with him. I was kind of like, dang, LSU is really going to have two guys that should go that high. But, man, I, I watched enough of him and I'm like, golly, I cannot. I, I definitely realize why people are excited about him. So that is my first star of the wide receiver category. Caleb, you're up next. All right, and I'll stick to kind of a similar body type of player, but I chose uh, Keon Coleman from Florida State University. You talk about maybe one of the most competitive players in the class at the, you know the catch point, going up for getting those contested passes, bring being able to bring them down, and then also you know he's a bigger guy like six four two twenty five, but also being able to catch the ball in space, make some guys miss. And then, you know, get a little explosive after the run. I think he would be a great fit for the Chiefs offense overall. Now, obviously, they'd have to move up multiple draft picks to get him. I don't really see him falling down too far here. But just as far as like, you know, the size and the intangibles and you kind of see what he can do in the red zone specifically, that's kind of where he shined at when he can go out and out athlete people. Maybe there's a little bit of concerns about his ability to create separation here or there. But I think if you get him in the right system where you can really utilize some of those vertical talents and also, you know, utilize his ability to catch and run in space, I think that he could be a, you know, he's going to be a home run in the NFL. Yeah, I'll, I'll say actually in the newsletter last week for I'll, I'll give people a sneak peek of what they're missing if they're not subscribed to it. I, I wrote a I gave a comp for every uh, every one of the top guys like a Keon Coleman. And I, I said Des Bryant. I, he, he gave me some Des Bryant vibes in terms of, you know, hey, Des Bryant wasn't separating. You know, he wasn't necessarily, you know, getting away from anybody. But sometimes, you know, a baller is just a baller. A dog's just a dog. And, and Keon Coleman just feels like that guy that he's going to make plays at the next level. He might just be kind of that you know, uh, like a George Pickens, but maybe not as crazy, uh, you know, maybe kind of, uh, you know, more of a, a sane person. Um, so I'm, I, I'd like to see what Keon Coleman does in the NFL. Nate, any, any takes on our receivers so far before you get into yours? Yeah, actually you guys picked wide receivers that kind of relate well to mine. And it's kind of a thing I like to talk about. It's like a lot of times with both Thomas and Keon Coleman, the Chris is like their route trees are super limited. They're vertical, they're contested catch winners. And it's like, you have to understand this is like this was my Jonathan Mingo thing last year. Was like the context of the offense changes your route tree quite a bit. With both Brian Thomas and Keon Coleman, they were both with quarterbacks, um, particularly Keon. Like 
Florida State's quarterback was Jordan Travis. He's short. He can't really see over the middle of the field. So the way they built the offense was through his mobility and his big arm. And the fact that they had two gigantic wide receivers. So they just built their entire offense off of that because that was the best way for their offense. With Jaden Daniels, like Jaden Daniels is not like a like middle of the field quarterback. His strength is running and throwing downfield. So how did they use neighbors and Brian Thomas as downfield threats? Like when people say like, oh, their route trees limit is like, I don't know if their route trees are limited. It's just yeah. that like their quarterback context just kind of puts them in that. And that's released to mind, which is Adonai Mitchell, which is the wide receiver from Texas. I don't think there is a wide receiver in this class that had a worse context for him than Adonai Mitchell, because people will look at it and be like, man, he didn't have a lot of production. Like he doesn't run a lot of routes. The Texas offense is not like, it's a cool offense. I really like the offense. It is not built for wide receivers. They basically, their wide receivers are used as blockers. They put their biggest wide receivers in the slot because they're, that's how they get their 11 personnel and they're blocking. And that's how they're using Adonai Mitchell. They were basically just using him as like a clear out guy on vertical routes or a guy as a blocker, just like John Mingo last year. The difference between Adonai and John Mingo is that Adonai is just way more physically talented. He really is. He Adonai has like rare movement skills. He's got great size. He's got contested catchability skills, but he really doesn't have like issues separating. He just doesn't get the chance to really do it that often. I think if you put Adonai in like an NFL offense where he could just run like real routes on the outside, I think he's going to look a lot better because it's not going to be just this like offense where he's just blocking and he's just like running clue out routes for like Xavier Worthy or uh, yeah. Jatavian Sanders. He just didn't get opportunities to ever get the ball. But when you see him get the ball, you're like, oh, that works. Like when I think of a game, like I think of the Washington game, they just like didn't use him for like three quarters. They just like were like, all right, like Adonai, you just go like run some clear out routes for us. And then in the fourth quarter, they're like, let's get Adonai touches. And it worked until the end of the game. But um, like they kept getting him touches in the fourth quarter and they worked. I just think that's what is in the NFL. I just think he needs touches and I think he needs development. And I think you have like star level upside there because he is just so physically talented. Yeah, I love that you that we you brought him up because um, he is one of my favorite receivers in the class. Uh, I've I've you know, I again, he was someone I gave a comp to and dang it. I didn't publicize it quicker than than it's starting to get gain steam. I saw a freaking uh, oh, man, I forgot his name. YouTube big on YouTube guy, Brett uh, Coleman. Brandon something. Um, yeah, yes. Yeah. Coleman. Yeah. Brett Coleman gave him the CD lamb comp. And that's there That's is something to that. Yeah, there yeah, and and then maybe it's getting too obvious, but uh there is something to that where you know, just the way he moves, how fluid he is in and out of his 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 breaks and just kind of how he can just turn a corner, um, you know, kind of he's not the greatest yak guy, I will say like CD. Right. CD's probably more of a yak guy. Mm-hmm. Um I, I think Ad and I uh, you know, it's not like he's he's necessarily like breaking tackles and 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 you know, uh doing the stuff that CD can after the catch. But in terms of as a route runner, in terms of before the ball gets to him. I definitely think there's there's that kind of thing to him. And hey, I mean, that's what the Chiefs need. One thing I will say about him that I have noted, PFF has him marked with only one drop over the last two years as a starting receiver. He hasn't played, he wasn't a, a full-time receiver in 2022. He missed um, nine games, but um, a lot of receivers he in this class, you know, they're in the double-digit drops uh, over two years. He has one drop. He has very reliable hands, um, no fumbles either in that time. Um, Caleb, do you have any takes on A.D. Mitchell? Because he's definitely someone, I will say, he is the the guy that is mocked to the Chiefs the most. I actually counted it up, and he is the one that gets mocked to the Chiefs uh, on average the most. Yeah, I kind of tend to think that all three of the guys we just mentioned, they're going to really fly yeah. up boards kind of to where the Chiefs would have to uh, trade up to get them. I mean, just the size and frame that they all have, including Mitchell, 
plus their downfield abilities, what sets them apart. Yeah. It's kind of what creates this allure. And I think Mitchell has that. Nate, you mentioned you don't think they've really used him in the right offensive setting. The Chiefs could use him in so many different oh ways God. as far as field <laughs> stretching. exactly what we need. <laughs> as far as just field stretching, but right. then once they start expecting you to stretch the field, you start running him on some of the crosses and over patterns, mm-hmm. and he's kind of like a change up from what we have with Rice and Kelsey. I mean, it just – there would be endless possibilities with that kind of thing. Well, and and – the other thing too, um, you're you're right. I thought what you were gonna say is just all three of these guys really do fit what the Chiefs need. Yeah, that's if they're gonna all draft three of these guys are awesome picks. Yep. Yeah, in terms of you know at the top, um, Great fits and, and we'll talk we'll talk about a few other guys that that they have in consideration there that that you know um, reasons they maybe not or maybe are even better fits. Uh, we'll see. We'll talk about it. But these star guys are the three, um, you know, big time on the outside, you know, again, um, you know, I'm, I'd be excited to see the Brett Veach being aggressive move up for them, but in the solid category, you know, it's, it's a little different, you know, because I, I think the chiefs could stand put maybe in the second round for one of these, maybe not Caleb's guy, honestly, he's, he's starting to gain steam, but, uh, but again, Caleb, just, I know your guy is just someone that you feel really good about if they, if the chiefs drafted him or if any team drafted him, right. How do you, uh, who is your solid prospect? Yeah, and I, I, I went with uh, Lad McConkey from Georgia. So never, I don't think he's never going to be a superstar. He's not going to be a Hall of Fame caliber player. I do think he's ridiculously quick. I think I like his burst in and out of his routes. I think he's got some of the best burst of any player in this draft class. His big knock that is like, why you're not going to make him a star? He's pretty small. And that can probably be an issue against some bigger corners where he would struggle to maybe get away from some press coverage type stuff, but obviously that his game is going to be built more around getting off the line quickly. And the reason I think a guy like him could be a fit on the chiefs is Andy does like his slot guys. We've seen them go to slot guys. Clearly like sky Moore was a failed experiment. I don't know, you know, that kind of thing, but there is some value, I think, in the Chiefs' offense to just having kind of a quicker guy like that who can get open in the intermediate route tree. But here's the thing. McConkie's production is, like, not great. He's probably going to test pretty well. But the thing is, Georgia went to Bowers and a lot of their other guys so yeah. much, and when they're thumping bad teams, they're running the ball in the second half, so they're not really putting their guys in these situations you go look at this last season when Bowers went out, when they're playing against Florida and Missouri, McConkie goes back-to-back over 100 yards against a good Missouri defense. He had a heck of a ball game. But you look at that kind of stuff, and then you kind of look at how he was used. He was never really the main option. I don't think he's ever going to be the main option anywhere he goes. But can he be like a solid complement, maybe pick up a couple 1,000-yard seasons in his career? I totally think that's possible for him. I think that, you know, I think that people just need to look at him, you know, for who he is as a player. There's like, is he going to be a star? Is he going to be a bust? I'm like, I totally think he's just going to be somewhere in the middle for most of his playing days. Yeah, no, I, I, I've said it all offseason. I need to probably stop saying it, give him a better comp. But I've kept saying that McConkey is who Brett Veach thought Sky Moore was going to be. Yeah, and so that's where it's like, man, if, if they want to take that swing, you know, and just kind of make up for it two years later, I think they would actually get it right this time. Cause I think mm. he has a lot of the things that Sky Moore had, you know, strong hands, I think for a smaller guy. Um, and, and so it does a lot of the slots of, and, and definitely explosive um, after the catch, mm. before the catch. Um, how do you feel about McConkie before your solid prospect, Nate? 
Yeah, uh, the Sky Moore thing is real, but McConkie's just way more fluid as a player. Like when you watch him play, uh, but yeah. I agree. I think McConkie's good. Like he's just going to be a solid NFL player. Um, I, I have really no concerns about his ability to translate to an NFL offense. And it's kind of a similar story with my pick. I picked Jalen Polk, uh, the wide receiver out of Washington. Probably isn't going to blow you away athletically. Um, you know, he's not going to like uh, blow you off the film with tape or anything like that. But he's just like a good player. Like he just can run inside of different routes. He can separate versus man coverage. Like he finds like zone like openings and things like that. He was kind of like their only guy who could like really get in the middle of the field because of like Michael Penix's kind of limitations as a thrower. But when he was able to do it, it looked good. And I think it would be a good compliment with Rice because I want to keep Rice in that like dynamic yak, short area kind of burst role more than like a full time like slot, you know, possession wide receiver. But I think Polk could do that immediately. And we know he has experience in like a pro style system. Um, immediately, I think he'd just come in and produce immediately. If the Chiefs are looking for a guy like in the second round to come in and just be helpful for next year's team and he, and beyond that, but especially next year's team, I think Polk's a good option. I think that um, late second round pick, just because of the depth of wide receiver class, will probably be where he goes. And I think that'd be a great pick for the Chiefs. 100%. He would have definitely been my pick if you hadn't already written him down. Um, he was, he was, he's the definition of this category in this class. Uh, I'm a big fan of him. Seems like he'd be a value pick maybe right now um, if the Chiefs. Maybe at 32, I would I'd be fine with him at 32 if the receiver class just gets crazy in the first round. Um, but I think you know you could probably trade back and get him later, a little later. Um, I doubt he makes it all the way to their actual second round pick. Um, but I think someone that might actually make it all the way to their second round pick, and was kind of the second guy that came to my mind after after Polk, was from Alabama, Jermaine Burton, uh, the wide receiver who started his career at Georgia. Um, and and is, and kind of ended at Alabama last year. He led Alabama in receiving and uh, the SEC and with 20.5 yards per catch. Uh, so he's kind of that guy that is going to, you know, can make big plays down the field. You know, he's explosive in terms of, uh, you know, getting downfield. He's kind of that Z receiver, right? Um, but he is strong at the catch point too, which is something I noticed. Um, and 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 definitely someone that's going to play tough after the catch, right? He's going to you know secure the catch and 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 be hard to bring down. Not necessarily the biggest yak guy. Um, I think he is kind of you know he, he'll get tackled, but he's not going to make it easy on you. And and that's the thing, he's not going to make it easy for for defenders to break the ball um, away from his hands at the catch point. Um, I think he uses his hands really well in his route running. Um, it feels like he he's kind of he kind of has that that ability to to kind of use physicality um you know when he's when he's running at the same time as as, as being fast so i, I kind of like the blend he has i think he's going to be a nice receiver in the nfl i think with the chiefs yeah i think he could be solid i think uh you know i think he'd just be like a, a strong he could be like a stronger version of, of justin watson right away um you know maybe not the exact kind of speed although i'd love to see what he runs at the combine i think he could be faster than maybe i'm giving him credit for um, cause he does have that deep downfield ability, but again, you know, a guy that, that only has two drops over the last two years, you know, that's something I try to note with all, every player to see, you know, which ones have the higher ones and lower ones and two drops, you know, is something that I take note of. And so, yeah, I think Jermaine Burton is someone that if you get him in the second round, he's going to give you solid snaps. Um, and, and definitely, you know, I, I think I could definitely, you know, play right away in the chief's offense and, and be a solid contributor. So. I think that's three solid prospects. Have you guys watched Jermaine Bernal? I think Caleb, I think you you kind of said he should be, he's kind of an underrated guy in this class. Yeah, his ability to track the ball is really impressive considering he's doesn't like, they don't really like, they throw him the deep ball, but it's not like they're throwing him three or four deep balls a game. 
yeah, it's for, limited for a limited action, man, he gets after it. Well, and I know, you know, since he's been at Bama, they've had some quarterback issues, you know, especially in the deep passing oh, yeah. game. But then you also look at like the fact that they've got other mouths to feed. You kind of, you know, it's easy to see how he can be overlooked. Um, you know, I know there might be like a little bit off the field concerns or something with a guy like him, but I mean, I think he's kind of more like a juiced up, like he could be more like a juiced up version of like a Gabe Davis type or some more like a souped up version of him a little bit. I just, his ability to catch the ball, like you mentioned, the few, very few drops and then just tracking the deep stuff, I thought was very impressive throughout, you know, taking a look at him. Yeah, he did have 57 targets, uh, 58 targets the last two years, you know, so that's, yeah, you're right. That's a lot. That's very limited action. Only 39 catches last year. Um, and it is that offense, man. It is Bama just, you know, they have a lot of mouths to feed. And again, they had some offensive problems this year. They, they really did. Uh, Nate, any, any, did you have, did you see, look at him at all? I've not watched him yet. No, I know who yeah. he is, but I have not watched. Well, fellas, let's, uh, let's call it a break right here. Um, you know, give, give a little word to our sponsors, but when we're back, we're going to talk about some sleepers in this receiver class. So one second on the other side. <laughs> All right, we are back on the AP Draft Room podcast, talking prospects, talking receivers specifically. And we're talking about the sleepers in this class that we like, um, that we're thinking about. Guys that, you know, are just kind of not thought of, uh, you know, as highly in the draft world as as we think maybe they should be. So, Nate, who is that guy that fits that category for you? Another Washington wide receiver, uh, not surprisingly, Jalen McMillan. Um, Jalen McMillan kind of had an injury-riddled year last year. Um, I don't know exactly how many games he missed. He just kind of had trouble staying on uh, the field consistently. But I think there's a little bit of upside to him, but I even like his floor now. So he's like kind of a long, lanky kind of vertical runner for them. Um, he kind of ran, like if Polk ran like the middle of the field underneath stuff, like McMullen kind of stretched the seams and stuff like that. Um, and he was very good at running vertical routes. He's a very good vertical route runner, and that had good chemistry at Penix. But I think there's even more to him. They would sometimes put him in the backfield and let him run routes. Uh, when they actually let him run underneath routes, he looked pretty good. For a guy who has long legs, he actually has some pretty decent like fluidity. Uh, definitely not great at physicality now, but if you're looking for like a slot option who can stretch the seams but also do other things, I think McMillan would make sense. I think he'd be a great fit in Andy's offense. Um, Andy would find different ways to use him. Like I mentioned, you could put him in the backfield. You can isolate him on certain players. And he gives the Chiefs that like downfield uh, slot threat that they have not had since Tyreek Hill left. They've, that's been basically uh, absent from the roster. I think that was missing last year. McMillan would come in and open things up. Like I mentioned, I think he'd be a great fit with Rice. Uh, you have McMillan running vertically, Rice running underneath, I, Kelsey obviously over the middle. I think that would be a great like three-man pair. 100%. No, he was definitely someone I thought of too. I can't it, – it, it is funny. It's just – I think it's just the injury, right, that just people kind of – you almost just kind of forget about guys like, guys hey, ahead not, of him. you know. Yeah, yeah, right, too. It's just like, hey, you know, just because – he didn't have a good year in 2023 necessarily because of the injury. And again, he did finish strong. He had a, he had a good finish to the season. Um, but yeah, I, I'm a big fan of him too. He did sprint track in high school. Um, you can kind of see it in his, in his running ability. Um, but you're right. No, I think the, the cool thing about him is he was, he was a slot dominant player in college or, you know, at Washington specifically um, in that last year, but he was also that vertical, uh, you know, uh, explosive player. So he's got a lot to him. Definitely uh, would be someone the chiefs are probably targeting. Um, but could move up boards after the combine because I could see him being someone that that you know tests well in all aspects and maybe makes people understand um, he should be more thought of in that Jalen Polk category. 
they, those all of those Washington receivers are going to be drafted and, and, and feel like they're going to be contributors. Caleb, who is your sleeper player? I'm going to go with uh, Josh Cephas from uh, UTSA. I know there's a lot of Chiefs fans that may feel burned by uh, small small conference wide receivers, but I have I, I feel like Cephas is going to test pretty well this weekend. He's about like six foot three, probably just a little under 200 pounds. He's a field stretcher, but he was really their go-to guy. And I mean, he's not going against the greatest competition in the world down there. But he what he put on tape, you know. He's not really playing with the best quarterback either. There's times he's burning his guy off the line, then he's having to wait for a few seconds or come back to the ball rather frequently. So he's got that ability to kind of stretch the field if you get him in the right setting. But also what I found interesting is they kind of ran him around. You know, He's also, I think, a guy, he's kind of got like that gadget player type potential, maybe a team like the Chiefs could be looking for, because I do think once he does get to his long speed, he's going to be pretty hard to stop. You know, they also ran him on like drag routes and stuff. You know, they got him in space to where he could get open and kind of continue to build up that speed. So if they are looking for like another field stretcher type and maybe a little more like maybe a little taller frame than what they've had in the past with like McColl and Richie James, stuff like that, you know, I, I think he could be a guy like you pick up in the fifth round or something like that to where it's not going to cost you much to go get a guy like him. And if it, you know, if he turns out to, you know, be able to make a little bit of an impact, it would be something, uh, you know, it'd be positive. Yeah. And, and he's the guy the chiefs met with, right. Already. Or is that, was that someone else? Uh, I, I don't know if they met with him or not. Maybe there's another guy with the last name Cephas, but I thought there was a receiver. They already met with probably could have had that pulled up already, but, uh, but yeah, no, that's, there we go. We got sleepers for you. And so, the last category in the receivers, um, you know, we're, we're gonna have to be a little negative here. And, you know, I, I, again, I, it's kind of like the defensive line class where I did have to stretch a little bit for a negative, but th the reason I will say Troy Franklin from Oregon as my slacker guys is because I just don't like how high he's going. I, I feel like he's just not maybe, you know, a guy that I would maybe take as high as he's, reje he's projected to go. It's like a guy that maybe some people think you'd have to maybe move up to even get, um, he may not even last all the way to yeah. 32. Um, and to me, he just seems like kind of a one dimensional player and, and maybe I should give him a little more credit. Cause I don't want to say he's, he's just a, you know, a guy that's going to give you a, a deep threat ability, you know, wind downfield, you know, um, and, and he definitely does have some speed, you know, some, some track speed to him. Cause he does have, you know, some, some yak ability, you know, he can, he's definitely a good route runner overall, right underneath too. I would give him credit for, um, but man, I just was not really impressed with the play strength impressed you know, with the, the catch strength, the, the, just the, the overall, you know, the ability to, to make plays on the ball, um, you know, to, he, he got there. Right. I, and I think that's, that's half the battle, you know, I, I will, I will give him credit for, but I just think at some point, you know, and you know, I, I think his build to me kind of just turns me off too, um, because I do think it just kind of reminds me maybe of, of, of MBS a little too much where, you know, it's someone that, Hey, you're going to get to the, to the route or you're going to get to the catch point. You're going to look like, you know, you're going to look great up until that point. There's just some, I just saw a few things to me that just kind of did remind me of, of maybe just not having the instinctual ability to, uh, you know, make plays on the ball um, in traffic or down the field. And that's just going to turn me off uh, for him as a player. But again, I do think he's going to be someone that, that gives, you know, offenses like MVS has, right. I mean, you know, uh, before this year where he really just was disastrous. I think Troy Franklin's a bet, you know, he'll be, He's like MV what MBS is now. Like I think he has a chance to progress um, and, and become uh, something better. 
Um, but I guess, I don't know, maybe MBS is just too stuck in my head, but there's just something about Troy Franklin that um, I'm not a big fan of him going in the first round. Um, and I, I did say Tez Walker too, but I think that's just too easy of a pick. Everyone's kind of saying he had a bad senior bowl. I wasn't there. I don't freaking know, but he just, he definitely seems one dimensional. He definitely, I comped him to Nelson Aguilar and that's not necessarily a great thing. Um, he just reminds me of just kind of a, you know, Hey, I'm going to, you know, run routes. You know, I, I can definitely, you know, make a play on the ball at some points, but you know, I'm never going to, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll just be a kind of that third guy for you. So Tez Walker takes. Caleb, you have any reaction to, to anything I said? Am I being hard on Troy Franklin, guys? Because he is a popular Chiefs pick, I will say. Just, just y'all, y'all can answer that. I, you know, I've seen him go a lot of different places. I think the thing you mentioned that's important with him, though, is if he comes into the NFL and he's the equivalent of MVS now, that's fine because he's still a rookie and he's going to have a chance to kind of continue to build himself up, build that you know strength up, and learn how to track the ball. MVS's biggest problem with the Chiefs, and they did release him today, the day we're recording this, his biggest problem is he can't catch the ball in stride, and that's an incredibly important thing to be able to do in the NFL, especially in the Chiefs' offense. He can catch it falling down on his back fine, but I just – I I don't know. I, I agree with some of the stuff about Franklin. I think he'll probably end up being, you know, just a quality receiver, nothing special, though. Yeah, no, I – yeah, that's that's it, right? I mean, I, I want someone who, who who's going to be reliable catching. So yeah, any you got strong takes on him, Nate? Yeah, honestly, it's funny you said that because I agree because I have like a second round grade on Franklin, and every time I see like somebody else talk about them, they're like going on and on about how they like love him. Like, am I like out of touch or something? But like every time I like I go back, I've watched him, rewatched him twice because like I go back and every time I'm left with the same thought. I'm like, he's good, but he's not like no one drafted yeah. him in the first round. I don't know. Okay, good. Well, you know, I, I, I we don't want to do group think here. We're I think we're good at that. Um, but I think it's it's I think there is something too, you know, sometimes you look at the stats too hard with some of these guys. He did he was a very productive guy. And so, you know, some of that kind of plays into um some of the evaluation with some of these guys. Um, but all right, Caleb, is there someone that you have that is just a little bit of a slacker in this class you're not a big fan of? I do. I'll go with uh Johnny Wilson from Florida State. And one of the reasons I'm saying this is he was, you know, catching passes with Keon Coleman this year, and he's like six foot seven, and he only ended up with two touchdowns. To me, there's just something a little bit fishy with that. But also, if you just like historically look at his body type and frame, those like six foot seven receivers that can't block, you know, a lot of them try to get converted into tight end, but I don't really see him being like a great blocker at the point of attack or anything like that. So it's like going to be hard, you know, he's probably going to struggle to create separation, you know, because he is like 245 also. He's not like a small guy, but I just think he'll be one of those guys that he gets relegated to being just kind of like a red zone threat. And he's a little bit mediocre at doing that, to be honest. So I don't have like the highest outlook for him. Yeah, you know, I, I definitely, you know, his body type, it's just like, you know, you just don't see that anymore in the NFL making it work. You know, if he would have been here, you know, five, 10 or you no, know, not five years ago, 10, 15 years ago, you know, even longer than that. But I will say, you know, I, I, I do think he has a little more route running ability than I, than I thought he would watching him. Um, but I agree with you overall, like, you know, it, it it's not, it's going to be even harder at his size to work at the NFL. Nate, uh, did you see Johnny Wilson at all? Do you have any slackers on your radar? 
I got to I have not had soccer's yet and I have not watched Johnny Wilson. I haven't gotten super deep into day two yet. That's generally where I'll find like somebody like that, where I get people get overzealous, but I agree with your guys' picks. So, well, Hey, that's, that's good because we talked a lot, a long time about the receivers and we should start, we should start to give the defensive linemen some love um, before we get, before we get out of here. Um, because like we talked about the strong class, a big class. And again, if something happens with this Chris Jones situation, it becomes even more important, but either way, even if they do retain Jones, yeah. even these star categories, even these solid categories are on the table. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how that breaks down. Caleb, you know, kind of like how I did with Brian Thomas Jr. You are uh, starting off with someone that you've already kind of previewed for the people. Yeah. And I talked about him last week, but uh star in this class, I still think he's DT one for this class is Johnny Newton from Illinois. He has, rare burst off the ball, rare strength, rare explosion. You combine all the physical attributes, you're like, okay, fine, that's a first-round pick. But then you actually see his pass rush arsenal, the way he works hand fights, the way he can bend for being you know, 6'3", 300 pounds, the way he can actually bend around guys and do things. That's not something you see every day, man. I think that he has a chance to be a special player. I'm disappointed we don't get to see him run this week because he's got that little cleanup procedure with his foot or workout really. But also at the same time, it's like, I feel like people are going to really overthink him as a prospect and there shouldn't really be a whole lot of overthinking going on with him. He's going to be a stud. Yeah, no, I I'm definitely a fan of how he, he definitely seems. I know. I think I said this last week, but he definitely just seems like a guy that was, was kind of touted to be a high pick early in his career. So by the time he gets drafted, he kind of just gets maybe overthought because people are excited about the newer names that come out. Um, but, but Nate, who is your star of this class that you have looked at so far? Yeah, candidly, I think there's really only two stars in this class and I'm just going to take the other one. It's Byron Murphy. Uh, you wrote about him so we can be quick on this. Just so explosive. So twitched up. Uh, he reminds me so much of, uh, Justin Matabike on the, um, yeah. Ravens, but I even think he's better as a prospect than Matabike was. He's just like, he, he can do it all. He's just, his pass rush arsenal is so good. I, he's He's insane. Like he should probably go in the top 15 of this class, but I mean, just one of like the rarest athletic profiles I've ever seen from a defensive tackle. He's just insane. Yeah, I know. Myra Murphy was, was the, the fun, the, the fun watch. And, and, you know, I read that he, you know, was kind of a convert from, you know, kind of being a ball carrier slash like linebacker hybrid kind of, you know, player at some point. Um, you can kind of tell like this dude is, it just kind of looks like just a, an athletic freak that just kind of put on muscle could put and, and became just a, cause golly, you know, the way he can kind of explode out of weird stances and, uh, you know, recover um, quickly. He is definitely someone that the chiefs, any team should, should, should be after in this kind of, in, in today's NFL, both those guys, I just feel like, you know, you want guys on the interior. They're going to be able to do both because Newton is definitely, you know, uh, you know, takes up a lot of space and can, can be a, a strong uh, run defender as well. My guy, I think you're right, though. You did mention that there are only two stars in this class. Um, I totally agree. And so who I went with is definitely someone that I think could be a guy that comes in and has, uh, you know, star capabilities in terms of the one aspect of his game. That's Michael Hall Jr. from Ohio State. Dude is absolutely electric um, flying off the ball. He is he is the definition of a, a 4-3 B-gap penetrator, you know, someone that's just going to, you know, beat a guard to his to his outside inside shoulder, you know, is going to, you know, uh, like Chris Jones loves to do, obviously not in the Chris Jones mold because this guy is a, a smaller, compact player. Um, you know, he's going to be, more, you know, he, he was listed 6'2", 285. We're going to see how he measures in at the combine. 
but it seems like he has very long arms that allow him to knife through, you know, rip through cleaner. Um, and he just has the bend, the flexibility that kind of reminds you of like a Kalijah Cansey last year. I think Cansey was a little more explosive. Um, and so I will give him that. I think Cansey deserve deserve the the kind of that special trait kind of indicator. I don't think Michael Hall's exactly gotten that love so far. Um, I think maybe at some point you'll see him kind of gain some steam just because, again, he flies off the ball, has great pass rush moves. He's someone that if you put one on one for in the interior against a guard or a center, you know, he's going to beat him up. He's going to, you know, get pressure. Um, but, you know, he is kind of a lighter player. You know, he, he definitely uh, was not someone that should be necessarily two gapping necessarily shouldn't uh, be someone that, you know, is, is taking on double teams. You know, he's definitely a, a B gap kind of player, someone that should be shooting through a lot of the time. So that's where he is kind of a limited player. Um, but again, you know, there, if, if you're that good at getting penetration, at getting after the quarterback, which I do think he has a special trait in that aspect. Um, and he's a young player, right? This is a guy that has not reached his potential. He's uh, just three years coming out. So, um, yeah, Michael Hall Jr. is someone that I'm in- interested to see where he ends up in the draft and just in, uh, in the NFL. Nate, you are next up with a solid prospect on the interior defensive line. Yeah, uh, this guy actually has some upside too, but just if we're talking just like a guy who I know is going to be a good NFL starter, it's Chris Jenkins, the defense tackle out of Michigan. Um, yeah. He just checks all the boxes. He comes from an NFL scheme. Um, we've seen that scheme kind of run through the NFL right now. It's actually that scheme the Chiefs run. Long, super athletic. He's going to test great at the combine based off what everyone has said. Um, he's a very good run defender. There's pass rush upside there. Uh, I think this is actually like probably if you made like uh, made me pick right now, the Chiefs are going to pick it actually probably be Chris Jenkins in the first round. But if you're just looking for a guy who's just going to be a very like B plus NFL player, I think Chris Jenkins will be that. I think he'll be able to contribute instantly. Um, can play one tech, can play three technique. I just, I really, I mean, you can't not like his film when you watch him. He's just a very, just solid, good player who's good at everything. Yeah, Caleb, I know you had uh, took quite a look at him. So do you have any thoughts, want to follow up there with, with Chris Jenkins? Uh, you know, again, his dad was an NFL player. He's got some, uh, you know, some NFL pedigree. Yeah, he, he's a really violent run defender. And I think that'd be really attractive to Spags and Joe Cullen. But like you mentioned, high athletic upside. He's got a couple of nice little power rushes. And then towards the end of the season, he worked like a little spin in the national title game a little bit on Washington there. That's the spark you see. That can be like, okay, we got a really solid guy who we think is going to defend the run well, but you know he's, you know he can probably develop a couple of pass rush moves as time goes on, just because of the athleticism. Absolutely, no, I'm I'm with you guys. I think he's he's definitely someone that just feels like you know you you feel good if they pick him, uh, you know, no matter what, he's he's definitely going to be a contributor, um, and and more than that, I would imagine at some point, especially hey, if Chris Jones isn't here, I think he's the perfect kind of you know where it's just that long big body, you know, in that B gap, um, you know, that's that's really he can play both, right? He can he can uh, you know be versatile along the line, but a guy that won't be as versatile, um, but but you know, give him a little credit as at least as a run defender, um, that'd be Tavondre Sweat, um, who was my solid prospect. You know, this is not a Jordan Davis. You know, I think that's that's clear uh, and, and important to, to note that, you know, this isn't someone that's going to necessarily be like a freak in terms of getting after uh, the quarterback, you know, chasing down, you know, quarterbacks or anything. You know, this is just your he's going to be, a, you know, trust me, he's going to show out at the combine. That's one thing I will say. <laughs> this is coming out after they work out Thursday night. I bet Tavondre Sweat is a is a topic of conversation, but I do think just as a football player, you know, I do think Devondre Sweat just is, is going to be a very solid, you know, nose tackle, going to be very rundown dominant, going to be a Limbaugh Joseph type 
where, you know, he's just going to, you know, be in the league forever, just terrorizing centers and guards, you know, on early downs, you know, get him as either that two gapping, uh, you know, in the three, four, or, you know, just, just plug in that, that a gap in the, in the, in the four, three, either way, he's absolutely going to be, you know, and he's going to create penetration. You know, he absolutely can, you know, he can shoot off the ball for his size, but I do just think he has limitations as a, you know, as a true, you know, three down player. Um, and so, I do think a day two, he's definitely worth it because he's going to, you know, especially if the Chiefs wanted to go that route, you know, I, I'd say, hey, you know, shoot. Yeah, I'd sign me up, I think, in day two, depending on how else they attack the draft. I don't know how far he'll go up the boards, but uh, but again, I don't think this is a Jordan Davis type, so I don't think he's a star in the star category. What do you all think? Well, I will say this. Devondre changed the fronts Texas played because when they were when he was in the game, they would play a lot more just like even fronts because they had like just him take up all the space. And when he's right. off the field, they would go into more like bare odd fronts uh, because their defensive tackles weren't quite as good then. So he's a game changer. And for a team that, you know, the Chiefs do dabble in odd fronts too, but they're still predominantly an even yeah. front team. He would change the math in a way they just have not had a nose tackle and since Don Terry Poe. Um, as good as or as valuable as Derek Nani has been for the Chiefs as like a role player, this is just different. What do you think, Caleb? Yeah, and I mean, even if you just – uh have him as a two down run stuff for his entire exactly. career. He's going to be one of the best in the league at that. He's right. so strong, so powerful. All right, Caleb, who was your solid prospect? Yeah, I'm going to go with Leonard Taylor, the third from Miami college defenses. They're just getting more and more frustrating <laughs> to watch because you have these guys like Taylor and you're like, Oh, that guy should play on the edge and then play at four higher three technique. And they put him head up over the center and you're like, what? Or I'm just like, I'm like, okay. When they do that, number one, he's was very rarely single block this year. So you see like yes. the production, and you're like, well, that doesn't add up. Why he would be going so high? And then you watch his film, you see the explosion he has off the ball. You see how much attention that the blocking scheme has to pay to where he is. And then you see him like beating double teams, getting held, doing all sorts of things in there. And you're just like, what was Miami thinking? Now I know it it opens up stuff for everyone else. He's a guy I'm really, I really want to see what he runs, and I want to see like his jumping because I think he's one of the, I think he's got one of the best first steps of anyone in this entire Absolutely. class. <laughs> I think that you know he may struggle a little early early against the run in his career just because he does give up a little bit of size, a little bit of weight in there. But from a pass rush perspective, man, he is lightning quick out of there. No, man, this is, we, you know, it was like Felix last year. I mean, there's, there's there's every year, and it's every lineman, honestly. It's not specific prospects, but it's just funny. We always talk about it, just how, you know, it is hard to evaluate some of these guys when you're right. I thought maybe it was one game with Taylor. Like, okay, maybe it was just one matchup. They're, or, you know, it was Florida State. I was like, oh, okay, maybe, you know, it was just this game. Nope. That's just how they used him. And uh, they rarely ever did you see him, like, line up wide, you know, wide 4i, wide 3 tech, and just kind of get after it, which sucks. Because I do think he would be, but hey, it might be good for the Chiefs if they want to attack him because he might slide down the board because he was so misused. Um, it kind of feels that way. I don't think he he was at one point one of the most you know highly touted prospects in this class, and that is no longer the case. Could change that at the combine if he if he goes off, um, like you said. So yeah, I let's get to sleepers though um, because these are kind of some lesser known names and and guys that that maybe fit the Chiefs still and and they could get out of value and, and my guy is Makai Wingo uh Missouri fans may know him because he was eventually or he was initially at Missouri then transferred to LSU after a year and that's the thing he's still a he came after his third year uh playing college football so he's still a very young prospect and 
I mean, I just like his, his the thought of him as that nose tackle. You know, maybe uh, you know if Chris Jones comes back, um, he can be versatile. Um, you know, play along uh, along the line, but he's just got this density to him. You know that he can grow for he can grow, uh, develop on. I think he can get bigger. He can kind of get maybe uh, you know more massive and kind of you know get even bigger. But at the same time, man, this dude. He can he can you know shake you up a little bit. He can he can get off the ball. He can he can uh, get after the quarterback. You know he has some moves um, for his size. You know for his kind of uh, stout, dense build. And so I definitely like the thought of him as maybe a day three um, shot at nose tackle. Um, someone that they can bring in again. You know I I you know I think he he's maybe not as good a run stuffer as some of the other guys that could that could go um in in range. But at the same time, he's got a density to him, and he's a young player that. Um, and again, this, he has a little bit of pass rush upside too, that I, I really do think he could, he could end up being a, a nice value pick. So I like Makai Wingo, Caleb, who did you have as your sleeper? I went with a uh, Braden Fisk. Uh, he's on a loaded Florida state team, been a pretty crowded class of defensive tackles. He is a little bit older. He's, tw- he's going to be 24 years old. I don't really think with his situation, that doesn't matter as much to me because mm. he's coming from a small school where he probably would have been like a fifth or sixth round draft pick last year, went back to college, probably got a nice NIL deal. The money probably was going to be about even. Now he's got a chance to work himself into the top five rounds, probably the top four rounds. Um, Really, you know, just a super strong player, number one. Um, I think he's got some good explosion off the ball. I think he handles double teams really well. I think, think that you know you've got a pretty solid run defender i don't know if he'd ever be like a one tech but i think he'd have a solid rotational player for a long time and he's got a super high motor also he does get all over the field he plays about just as hard as anyone in the class yeah i know nate i know you kind of mentioned you you took a peek at him after we were talking about in the group Mm -hmm. chat i was i you definitely like what you see with him he's gonna he'd be a a fun player to have on the team yeah, I echo all those points. He's just relentless. He's got quickness. Uh, he just plays so fast. Like he would just be uh, fans would love him uh, because he's just yeah. that type of like energy for the most part. I went with Brandon Dorless, the defensive tackle from Oregon. Um, Dorless definitely has a limited skill set. He's not super athletic. He's not super agile, but he's got super long arms and he's very powerful. And he's just push, push, push. Uh, the Washington game was a game he did very well in. Washington kind of has smaller linemen in general. He just was crushing pockets all game. If you're looking, and he could play defensive end a little bit against the run. Not a super high upside player, certainly, but if you're just looking for a guy who can be like a backup, your third, fourth defensive tackle, he's good against the run. He's got good uh, pad level leverage. Like just push, push, push. You know exactly what you're getting out of him. And I think he could be just a very solid. The Chiefs need that. They don't have a lot of depth at defensive tackle. And I think Dorless exactly. will be able to be uh, a depth piece for them immediately. Yeah, that's good to hear because that's the one guy. Um, for some reason, I just didn't get, couldn't find tape on him. Um, so we'll have to we'll have to double down and and look at him later. All right, slackers in the defensive line class that we have seen so far. Again, I kind of mentioned at the top, it was kind of hard for me to choose a guy. And Caleb, I actually would kind of agree with yours. Um, he would someone that I would be a candidate for me too. But who did you pick, Caleb? I picked a uh, Masson Smith from LSU. And let me start out by saying. He's very young. I think he's only like 21 years old, just turned 21. So he's going to have time to develop. But I say this, you look at a lot of the other guys in this class, you know, they're like the six foot four to six foot range defensive tackles, more jacked up guys, like a little shorter stockier. All right. He's got like the Chris Jones build, like six, six, 315, 320 pounds. 
And man, you can tell when his motor's on and he's running, there are people that have a hard time stopping him. He beat up on some pretty good guards in the SEC when he wanted to. There's just these long stretches of his game where it's like he should be beating, he should be winning more, you know, being built like he is. And you're just kind of like, I understand, like, you know, maybe the need to develop more strength. But it's also like you can see his effort like very clearly. Like there are some plays he doesn't play the run at all. There are some plays that he will like just kind of stop. And he's really just kind of, you know, he's not finishing through the play. I guess that can be frustrating because he's got maybe one of the most physically gifted frames of any player in the draft. He's a guy I think he's going to have to get into the right situation. Now he is, he is what I would say the very definition of a boomer bust guy. Um you know, I just thought he should have had a much better career but given his physical gifts. And when you see him win, it's kind of like, well, why can't you do that more consistently? Why can't you do that every play? Because when he wins, he destroys guys. It's just it needs to happen more often for him to be able to be a successful NFL player. Yeah, I would say if you watch him and Chris Jenkins back to back, you can kind of be like, that's where you kind of start to question Mason, Mason a little bit just because, they are kind of similar body types, some kind of similar dominant, um, you know, uh, physical talents. And, you know, I think one of them kind of applies it better. And and you wonder if if Smith can can do that at the next level. I agree with your assessment for sure. Nate, did you have anyone that comes to mind or no? I actually did not. Uh, you'll talk about your guy because actually that was a guy I was thinking about. So uh, I'll listen. Yeah. To yeah. Clemson's Rook Aroro Aro. I've heard it's you're supposed to just say row, 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 I think three times. So a row, row, row. Um, yeah, that's the thing is, is I wanted to, I kind of kept looking into him cause I will say another, another sleeper candidate for me was Clemson's Tyler Davis. I kind of like him. He's kind of a solid, um, kind of, you know, kind of comes off the ball hard, um, kind of a player that I thought last year would have been a nice, he, he, he's a, he's a redshirt senior, but so is Rook a row, 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 row. And, and that's the thing is he is kind of that prospect that I want to say like, okay, I can kind of see it. Um, I can kind of see where he could come together. But then it's like you realize, like, well, he's had the chance to kind of bring it all together at Clemson, and and I don't, and I just don't think there, there's maybe he, he kind of just might be too, you know, in between being a dense nose tackle. He's not light enough. He's not heavy enough to be that, in my opinion. But he's also not necessarily that 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 gap shooter, that penetrator, or even that like three four defensive end that's gonna you know control blocks necessarily all the time. You saw some flashes from him um, getting after the quarterback when it was just a pass down. He was just spread out, but. To me, he just feels like kind of a, a, a limited player already, and there's not the upside that that some of these other players that show the same limitations have because they're younger, they haven't played as much. He's played quite a bit at Clemson. He could have came out last year, um, and he's just you know he's 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 just kind of a an eh pro, a meh prospect to me. I would say. What do you think, Nate? Oh yeah, no, I totally agree with you. It, it just didn't really like blow me away. Like I, I was wa- yeah. I watched two or three of his games last. Time. I was like, eh, hey, like fine. Like, yeah, like, like Tyler Davis is, yeah, his, his teammate, Tyler Davis, just like comes off the ball harder. Um, just kind of like, there's just a few things that he does a little harder and better. And it's just like, well, yeah, I mean, and he's a sleeper. So if you're not even kind of outperforming him, um, but he's supposed to be, you know, I, I, uh, you know, he was a top 50, um, big board guy for the bleach report guys that I kind of was looking at. So, I mean, he's someone that is highly thought of by some people. Um, but yeah, I think that you should stay away from him. He just kind of seems like too in between and kind of will just, you know, not the kind of guy they need to be adding to their room. Um, so, all right. So that's kind of your, your prospect 
breakdown for you peeps, uh, wide receiver and defensive linemen. We'll be talking about other positions as we go. But before we get out of here, we got to do this every week. Prospect of the week. Hey, prospect. We have other prospects. Prospect of the week. We, every episode, are going to name one prospect that we predict will be on the Chiefs draft board. And we're just trying to name as many future draft, uh, future Chiefs as possible, I should say. And by draft day, I should say. Caleb and I, we, we went with the high swings last week. Last pick uh last week right we went with the the day one guys guys they may have to move up for um and johnny newton for caleb and brian thomas jr for me but we got nate with us now so we have three of them for you today and uh, actually caleb i'll let you go first who is your prospect of the week episode two so i went with a running back um we haven't gotten into them yet but i went with braylon allen from wisconsin just because i've been infatuated with his tape because Part of me just really wants the Chiefs to have like a big power back and because I think they could do some fun stuff with him. Now, I say big power back, and you're probably thinking like, you know, that doesn't really fit the Andy Reid system. This guy's a lot more athletic than just like a straight line runner. His cutting ability for being six foot two, 240, 245 pounds is actually really impressive. That great pass blocker, good hands, even though he didn't really get utilized much. I just think he'd be like a good third down back for the Chiefs. And then if you ever get into a situation where, you know, you want to line up and just pound people, run a little bit outside zone here and there, you can go to him, let him take a little bit of pressure off Pacheco. I know Allen had a lot of mileage on his tires from what he did at Wisconsin, but he's not going to be getting the ball every down. He'd be getting it in the Chiefs offense in combination with Pacheco. Um, Go get a big power back, make things complicated, keep Mahomes safe. I don't really see – like why it would be too bad unless he just flies up the boards to where they can't justify the value of taking a running back there. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't think it's just helmet scouting. Um, and obviously I don't think it's to this level either. I, I wouldn't say, um, but I do think there's some, there's something to, you know, Jonathan Taylor was that kind of power back type, but he also evolved into, you know, and, and, and was more than that. Right. And that's why he was such a good player. I think Braylon Allen has some of that to him where he's just, you know, he just moves well for his size and can, you know, be more than just like you said a power back but nate you also picked a running back who were you looking at well first i just want to say real quick on braylon allen i think he's the most underrated player in this class people need to talk about him more he has got like he's we're agreeing got too much people we're agreeing way too much on this podcast <laughs> everyone's like oh braylon allen's just like big stiff running back no one is wa- watching play he can cut he's got great vision he can run a ton of different concepts i think braylon like he's not as good as jonathan taylor but it's the same thing where people are like jonathan taylor can't catch and he can't do these things then he goes to the NFL it's like, oh John Taylor's a big physical amazing athlete he looks very good anyways I did pick a running back and my running back was that I'm looking for the Jarek McKinnon replacement just because as much as I love Jarek he's one of my favorite like chief role players ever it's it's the end of the line for Jarek just with his injuries and his age I don't know if he'll be back next year frankly and they're gonna need a replacement for him because Jarek especially in 2022 was super valuable as a wide receiver and a pass protector so I picked Bucky Irving because when I watched Bucky Irving the other night, I kind of got Jared McKinnon vibes. Um, based off, he's got very good open field speed. He's got uh, ability out of the backfield, um, especially running vertical routes. Um, he can run a ton of different concepts. Uh, zone. He's a very good zone runner, but he can also run some gap stuff too. Uh, very physical runner. He does not go down on first contact. For a guy that, uh, not small, but like a smaller running back, He like you would never guess it by the way he plays. 
his one real issue is that he's a very stiff runner. You're not going to see him make a lot of cuts in space. He's kind of had like he has some start stop stuff, but like jump cuts, like you're not going to see Bucky Irving make. But he's good at everything else, and I think he would be an ideal Jarek McKinnon replacement. Um, the Oregon offense is a pretty pro offense, so I think he'd be able to come in and instantly handle all the pass protection, all the wide receiver stuff. Um, round three, I just think he'd be a good replacement for Jared McKinnon. I think he'd be able to contribute instantly. No, that's that's a good one, especially because uh, if I have this right, was he? Yeah, he was a class of 2021, and he had 94 career catches in college, mm-hmm. and he only was there for three years, uh, for three seasons. Um, so that just tells you he was definitely utilized as a pass catcher. Um, I, I always kind of like to look at how many career catches someone has in college. I just think it, it kind of helps to kind of give a baseline of of who who has the experience there. And so I think that's a great call. Haven't gotten a chance to look at him, so we'll have to look into him. But all right, my last or my next uh, prospect of the week is Xavier Worthy from Texas. And it's just because, because trust me, I actually like Mitchell more. Mitchell is, I, I think, going to be ending up one of my favorite prospects in this class. I'm glad we got to talk about him today. But when you're talking about the Chiefs and we're talking about who they target and when you're talking about what they what they, you know, don't have or are going to be missing in this in this offense next year, it really is just speed in general. Right. I mean, you, you, if you if you don't have McColl, um, if you don't have MBS and, and they already did release him and Xavier Worthy is just someone that has speed. There's no doubt about it. He's going to have track, you know, just going to blow away the combine. Probably he might even elevate himself past the 32 mark because he's going to have such a good combine with this speed. He, he, he jumps off the film in terms of, of, of how fast he moves. And he gets in and out of his breaks pretty fast, too. I wouldn't say all of his routes are, are super crisp, but he, he is an absolute uh, downfield threat. He can definitely win downfield. And I think there's something, too. He could just be a souped-up McColl Hardman. And I think the Chiefs could, could buy into that, just say, hey, this is we've tried to force McColl into this kind of role where he can be the underneath guy making explosive plays you know, as a slot player but also, you know, make plays down the field when they're covering our other guys. And, you know, I think Xavier Worthy could just be a souped up version of that. And the Chiefs might just get tempted and, and go and go take that swing. Any thoughts on that, guys? Yeah, no, I mean, Worthy would just be a guy that fills something the Chiefs need, like vertical threat, um, right. dynamic in space. Uh, you know, they traded for McCall Hardman last year because they didn't have that because of, you know, the stuff that's going on with Kadarius Tony. Um, I doubt Tony is back next year. Hardman, we'll see. Yeah. I don't, I could, he could be back, but he shouldn't have like a prominent role in the offense at this point. So Worthy would just be like, if you put a good version of Cole Hardman on the field all the time. Um, yeah. I admit, <laughs> I, I wasn't super high on him on the film, but yeah. like the more I think about him, the more I'm like, I actually think he's a good player. And I think I was underrating him a little bit. Yeah, no, I know. I, I think I think we just see these guys a lot, but when you're just talking about his fit and, uh, and he does have some game breaking speed. I don't know, Caleb, were you, did you think of uh, Xavier worthy at all as a top, as a, one of the top prospects, a guy you'd be excited about? Yeah. I, I don't know if I put him in that top prospect category. I think he's like the start of the second tier. He, he returns punts also though, right? Yeah. He yes. returned punts for Texas. I, I could see the chiefs having some value in that just because, you know, they've, obviously had some issues with that kind of thing in the past. And they do tend to value like a guy that can be more explosive back there from what we've seen. But I'd say for him, just, you know, he does have that electric speed. I do think he's probably like the start of the second tier of receivers though, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, all right. Well, yeah, that's a podcast. That is a, po- a, a podcast about prospects. Uh, we definitely, I think did our duty in that respect. 
combine is this weekend if you're listening on the friday morning or saturday or whenever you're listening there are still workouts to come uh but thursday was the dl and linebacker so you've missed that friday afternoon check out the defensive backs and tight ends saturday at noon you will have the quarterbacks running backs and wide receivers so that's maybe a big day if we're talking about the receivers and then Sunday is when the offensive tackles will work out, um, offensive linemen in general, but the Chiefs will, you know, fans will maybe be keeping an eye on those tackles. So tune in this weekend. We'll be tweeting out our observations, I imagine, as we follow along um, and, and, and kind of uh, watch the combine ourselves. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank you for joining. Nate, I appreciate it. Uh, you know, we need your analysis uh, this draft season. Uh, you, yeah, you were not going to be a consistent uh, uh, guest, uh, uh, but we will have AP Filmer popping up um oh and and i shouldn't say i you will not be a consistent host but you will be a consistent guest i i, I shouldn't say it like that um mm. we, we will definitely have you back on as we get closer to the draft um talk about some deeper guys that we see um, we'll get ap film room going as we get closer to the draft as well free agency is going to kick off here soon so thanks everyone for listening make sure you rate review make sure you hit us up on twitter with any questions you have we will definitely listen and and, and, and answer them on the podcast For Nate, for Caleb, I am Ron. Thank you for joining, and we will catch you next time. Hey there, it's Pete Sweeney from Arrowhead Pride, and I'm excited to announce a new element of the Arrowhead Pride experience for diehard Chiefs fans. It's our brand new newsletter, Arrowhead Pride Premier. Arrowhead Pride Premier is a newsletter delivered to your inbox twice a week from me. For $50, you'll get an annual subscription packed with insider coverage from yours truly and new in-depth analysis from voices around Kansas City. It's all about what I'm seeing and hearing around the team. During the season, we'll deliver a newsletter ahead of each game to get ready for Sunday and a newsletter after after each game to unpack exactly what happened. Subscribe to Arrowhead Pride Premiere today at arrowheadpride.com slash subscribe.